Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Well, I'm excited to bring the word this morning and, um, and our theme for this month is Together We Believe. Together We Believe. It's important to know what you believe. Do you know what you believe? Do you know what you believe? Uh, in our culture, there are some funny notions that are going around at the moment. I've heard this notion of your truth. Your truth, Cam, and my truth. You can have your truth and I can have my truth. Actually, it was Oprah Winfrey who recently said the most powerful thing we can speak is our truth. What a load of rubbish. There is no such thing as your truth and my truth. There's only the truth. If there's a your truth and my truth, then there's actually no truth. Because the truth is truth, no matter what my perspective or your perspective of it is, it's the truth. And so we live in a generation that's trying to water down truth, and it's very strategic. Because if you water down truth, then there's no truth. Right? And... um. I love sometimes being able to quote non-Christians in church. Did any of you watch Ricky Gervais's speech at the Golden Globes in January? You should. You'll probably be offended. I'm sorry in advance, but it was brilliant. It was so good. Uh, Very, very, very naughty, uh, but actually very challenging at the same time. He has recently said this, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Doesn't that sum up our generation? I'm sorry, sweetheart, just because that hurts your feelings doesn't mean that you're right. And we live in this generation that just needs to actually know what it believes. It needs to know what it believes. In the Gospels, in the New Testament, in Ephesians, sorry, in Ephesians, it says that we need to grow up, we need to mature so that we won't be tossed and blown by every cute, fashionable thing that's going around in culture, that we won't be tossed here and fro depending on who's saying what, that we know what we believe. It's a sign of maturity when you stand on the truth. Our senior pastor, Mark Ramsey, says, faith is not what you think you know. Faith is what you know when you don't think. Faith is what you know when you're not thinking, your default. That's actually when your faith shows is what you know when you don't think. And so this month, we're talking about what we believe. Together, we believe. And so what is it that we believe? And this morning, the title of my message is, Together, We Believe in a Limitless God. We believe in a limitless God. Together, we believe in a limitless God who is working in us and he's working through us. If you look at the creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, all the creeds, a lot of them talk about we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit who's with us today. And so we believe in the Trinity and we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit who is with us still today. So we believe in a limitless God who's working in us and he's working through us. 
And so this morning, I want to share mainly about the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, because it's the Holy Spirit that sets us apart in the world. In an amazing passage of Scripture in Exodus, God has called Moses to be the deliverer of his people who are slaves. They've been in slavery for 400 years, and he calls Moses to deliver them out of slavery. And I want to tell you this morning that God is calling you. He's calling you to be a deliverer. He's calling you to be a deliverer in the world that you're in. He's calling you and he's saying, you go, I'm raising you up to deliver the captives and bring them out of bondage in your workplace, in your family. God's calling you wherever you are. And so he's, he's calling Moses. And this is what Moses says in Exodus 33. Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me? on me and on your people if you don't go with us. For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the people in the world. Without the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, you and I are just a group of really kind, happy people. That's all we are. Without the presence of God, we're there's nothing that distinguishes us except maybe that we're smiling and we're not afraid of catching corona. Without the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, there's nothing that separates us. And Moses is saying, don't make me go. Don't even ask me to go unless you come with me. Because when you come with me tomorrow on Monday morning into my workplace, that's what sets me apart from the person in the workstation next to me. That's what sets me apart from my clients. That's what sets me apart from my students. That's what sets me apart is your presence, God. I hear you calling me to them. I know that you're bringing them to me and you're bringing me to them, but don't ask me to go if you don't come with me. And Moses is saying, it's your presence, God, that sets me apart. And look at what the Lord says to him in verse 17. I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. And Moses responded, then show me your presence. Then show me your presence. Do you know, the older I get and the further along in this journey with Christ that I walk, I realize that what God's calling me to, the life that he's calling me to is impossible in my own strength. And the life he's calling me to is one of power. And I honestly believe that many of our family and friends don't believe us because we live powerless lives. Because we confess a living God, but we don't live it. The evidence of it isn't in our lives. And so the older I get, the more dissatisfied and hungry I am for the presence of God. God, don't even ask me to do this without your presence going with me. Not just on Sunday when we're in church together, because you'll often hear me say, Monday cometh. Real life comes tomorrow. And so God, don't call me into my day unless you go with me. Unless your presence is evidence because that's how the world will know that you live. And so I've become more and more hungry for the presence of God. And the cry of my heart is, will God show me your glory? And I spend the first 15 minutes of every day now praying in tongues. Before I open my mouth and say anything else, I start praying in tongues. 
Who knows that when you wake up and you become conscious again, that list straight away, the list of the day, it's there, right there. Anyone else? You don't even have to open your eyes and you're already thinking about what has to happen that day. Well, I've decided that before I open my eyes and before I speak anything else, I'm going to speak in the Spirit. I'm going to tap into the Spirit of God because I don't want to go into my list without the presence of God. I don't want to live just another Monday to Friday, nine to five life. I want to live a life that is evidenced by the power of a limitless God that is working in me and through me. There are some other doctrines of faith that believe that this spirit life died with the apostles. We don't believe that. We believe that the Spirit of God is working today. He didn't just work 20 years ago when you got saved. He's working today. He didn't just work last week or even yesterday. He's working today. He's working today in us and through us. That's what we believe. We believe in a limitless God who's working in us and through us. In the book of Acts, in the first chapter, Jesus has been crucified. He's been buried. He's been resurrected. And now he's talking to his disciples and his followers. And he's commissioning them and he's assigning them for their purpose, which is the same purpose that you and I have. To go into the world, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to raise the dead. Anyone done that recently? He says, this is what you're meant to be doing. This is what I want you to do in the earth. But wait. In chapter 1 of Acts, he says, wait. I have to ascend to heaven. I have to leave earth, ascend to heaven so that the Father can send the Holy Spirit. And you need the Holy Spirit to be able to do what it is I'm calling you to do. Acts 1 verse 4 to 8. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're trying to understand what's going on. And in their framework, they're trying to make sense of things like we often do. God, this doesn't make sense. Explain this to me. And God's answer often is, that's not your business. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons. It's not for you to know. That's God's authority. That's his business. But you, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be witnesses to me in your local community, in your nation and to the nations of the earth. That's your business. The Holy Spirit comes on you with power to do what it is I've called you to do. Leave everything else up to God. And so here we are knowing that God, Jesus is asking us to do something bigger than we can imagine, bigger than we can actually do on our own. Dustin, what he's got for you is bigger than what you even imagine. It's actually impossible. It's actually impossible what God wants to do through you. But we believe in a limitless God. We believe in a limitless God. Will you receive that for your life? more than what you've even seen or believed for all of us working in us and through us for the purpose of establishing his kingdom in the earth. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of 
theology, a little bit of doctrine quickly. I can't give it all to you in 30 minutes. All right, and I pray that you'll see what, what's on the screens. Take notes and research and study yourself this week. This is what I'm praying for, a church that feeds themselves during the week. And so the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Think of fruit, right? You plant a tree, an apple tree. What does it grow on it? Oranges. No, it grows apples, okay? An apple tree grows apples. So the evidence of what's living inside a tree is its fruit, okay? And so a life in the Spirit looks like the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, perseverance, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and our favorite one, self-control. So when you're living a life of the Holy Spirit, this is what's hanging off your life. This is the fruit on your life. It can't be, you can't fake this stuff. You know, I can't stick apples to myself. I have to, it's an evidence, it's a visible sign of an invisible life source. You tell a tree by what fruit is hanging on it. And so when you're tapped into the Spirit, this is what hangs off your life. And I have to admit to you, I don't always look like this. Right, I know. I know that's a shock to you. But this is why I've chosen to pray in tongues for the first 15 minutes of every day, to tap into the invisible life source so that my life looks a little bit more like this when my feet hit the floor and I interact with the world around me. Because this is the fruit in Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit. Then we have the fivefold ministry, it tells us, uh, in Ephesians 4, it tells us that the Spirit actually gives us ministries. So we have the apostle, which is someone who sees potential and develops leaders and releases leaders. Sam is an apostle. If you get around him for long enough, he's going to throw you into the stratosphere of your potential and he's going to invest in you and he's going to see the best in you and you're going to soar. That's what an apostle does. So if you want to be lazy and if you don't want to move into the things of God, don't get near Sam, okay? That's what an apostle does. Then you have a prophet, which is my ministry, who speaks the Word of God without shame, without hesitation, doesn't really concern themselves too much with who gets offended, speaks the Word of God because it's the truth. You have prophets. Then you have pastors. We also have this gift. Many of you have this gift that you care for people. You care for people. You care for the sheep. You take people under your wing. You, you watch them grow up. You do what it takes to nourish and develop them. You've got, what else is there? Uh, uh, evangelist. The ones who everywhere they go, they're telling people about the goodness of God and people are getting saved. You know those people who just seem to have that gift? Yep, that's a gift. It's a gift. It's a ministry gift. And we all have it to some extent. Some are just really, really dominant in that. We've got teachers, the ones that are life group leaders the ones that run pop-up groups, the one that every time you sit down with them, I have this as well. You're going to pull out the scripture and you're going to unpack what it means. There's hermeneutics involved. There's all sorts of context and in the Greek and in the Hebrew, the teachers. Okay, and the Holy Spirit does this. The Holy Spirit does this in each of us so that he can establish the kingdom of heaven in the earth. Then we have the gifts of the Spirit and they are outlined in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. In Romans 12, you've got the gift of the Spirit, ministry, teaching, encouragement, generosity, leadership, mercy. Generosity is actually a spiritual gift. We've tapped into that this year with Kingdom Builders, which Pastors Dan and Anne O'Farrell have launched this year because there are some people who are gifted spiritually to be entrepreneurs. That is a gift of the Spirit and it's not 
for us individually. It's so that he will establish his kingdom in the earth. It's a spiritual gift. And when you're flourishing in it in the right way, all of heaven is accessible to you. And so we develop that gift. Leadership is a gift. These gifts of the Spirit. Mercy is a gift. In 1 Corinthians, it goes on and expands on that. There's the gift of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. And the whole purpose of this is to reconnect us with our design and our purpose so that the kingdom of heaven can be established in and around our lives. We believe in a limitless God working in us and through us today and every day. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every day of the week, every encounter we have, we believe in this God who goes with us, who sets us apart from the world, who is evidence then of a living God who loves and cares for the generation. The Spirit is at work in us to empower us to overcome and do life well so that we are evidence of a living God. We need to take our place in the Spirit. We need to take our place in the kingdom of heaven and believe that He's limitless and He's wanting to work through us. The only limitation God ever puts on Himself is us. We need to believe He's working in us through the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, all the fruits. Working that in our lives to become evidence of an invisible source. Working in us and through us, through our ministry gifts, through the fivefold ministry to a generation who needs to see the manifestation and the power of God. Why? It's for the purpose of redemption, to buy back everything that's been stolen from our generation. That's why. That's why it's to bring glory to God and to prove to our generation that he is intimately involved with us, that he cares for every single person that comes across our path. That's why. He's done this. That's why the Spirit is alive in us. And so this morning, I want to share some testimonies. I want to share some testimonies to stir your faith again for the miraculous. Do you still believe in miracles, church? Give me a big, bold wave. Do you still believe in miracles? Do you want to believe again? Are you hungry for it? Are you sick of hearing about a gospel without power? Do you believe in a limitless God working in us today? Not yesterday, not a hundred years ago, today. In us and through us. I want to share some really, really honest and real testimonies from my own life because I believe that as I testify, it will prophesy into your world. The first one is, I want to share around three categories of miracles. There are others. These are just the three that the Spirit prompted me to share this morning. And the first one is the prophetic miracles. And this is that you and I, with the Spirit of God alive on the inside of us, prophesy prophetically. We prophesy into people's lives that we come into contact with. We draw heaven out of people. We identify the potential inside of someone and speak that into existence. I want to read you this letter. It was written in 1998. You can see the sticky tape on it. 1998, I was 16 years old. This letter was written to me by my senior pastor, the first pastor because we'd only just become Christians. 
25th of July, 1998, Pastor Ian Grant wrote me this note. I was 16. And you tell me about the power of prophetic words. To a 16-year-old girl from a broken home who didn't know which way was up. Dear Carolina, I'm so proud that you have chosen to develop yourself in the cell interns classes today. I'm sure you'll enjoy the time together and you'll grow spiritually. You'll develop your leadership gift, for you are called to leadership in life. And most importantly, you'll be used of God to care for his sheep. Cry every time I read this. You're called to leadership and you'll be used of God to care for his sheep. God has anointed you to make a difference in life and in your world. And as you pursue that destiny over the next few months and years, you'll be amazed at God's love for you and the power working through you. I have prayed for you this morning, your brother in Christ. Prophetic miracles. He saw something in me that I didn't know was there, that my parents didn't know was there, and he spoke it into existence in 1998. I lost this letter and I found it only a few years ago and I was blown away and every time I read it, it brings me to tears. The power of his words that actually went out into the atmosphere of my life, into the soil of my life and is bearing fruit right now. You and I have the power to do that in people's lives. You and I, with the spirit at work in us, have the responsibility to do that for people. What I didn't realize until last night when I read this again, I've never taken any notice of what was in brackets at the bottom of the page, which is a scripture reference. Joshua 1, verse 6 and 9, where it says, Be bold and courageous. God tells Joshua three times, Be bold and very courageous. Be bold and courageous because you're going to lead these people into their promise. Keep the word in front of you. Meditate on it because when you do, you'll be successful. And I didn't realize until last night, and I remembered a prophetic word that Pastor Leanne Matisius gave me at a conference last year, and she quoted Joshua 1, verse 6 and 9. God's message to us doesn't change, and he uses people to prophesy into our lives these prophetic miracles that we have the ability to do in people's lives. And because of that, it's given me precedent in people's lives. Because I've seen the power of it. I now sit across from people and I don't listen to the junk that's coming out of your mouth. I don't listen to the negative confession you're telling me about what's going on in your circumstance because we are so notorious for doing that. I'm sitting there listening to you and I'm listening to the Spirit saying, God, what is it that you say about this situation? And that's what I'm speaking back to you. I'm prophesying God's reality over your circumstance. And I've seen it time and time again. But you know, before that letter was written to me, as a 16-year-old, I was an 11-year-old in a broken home. And my mum was suddenly thrown into extreme poverty when my family broke up. And she managed to secure a home for us through the Housing Commission Scheme where you would pay your rent to the government, but that rent actually ended up going towards the mortgage of the home and eventually you could buy the government out on this little house. And so we lived in this housing commission home in the ghetto on the south side of Brisbane. And, uh, and she started to make a way forward for us out of an obscure situation. And so she, we lived in this tiny house, myself, my two younger sisters and my mum. 
And, uh, and so she was, li- she was sleeping in the garage because the, the home was so small, didn't have enough bedrooms. And so eventually saved up a few pennies to be able to put flooring in that garage and to put an opening into the garage from the house. And so she hired a carpenter named Bruce Robertson. And Bruce came to our home and he was standing on his stepladder day after day humming. And in all her brokenness, I remember my mum's face red and swollen most days from tears the night before as she cried and wept and poured her heart out to God. How am I supposed to do this with these three girls in a country where I don't speak the language? And he's there humming away. Eventually in her own brokenness, she goes, what is it that you're humming? To this complete stranger putting plaster on the wall. And he comes down off his stepladder and he starts singing the words of a worship song. And in her deep hunger and her deep thirst, she broke down crying as she heard the prophetic utterance of a tune deaf carpenter singing a worship song. And she said to him, can you please tell me about this God you're singing about? Right there in her lounge room, he led her to Christ. And he took her along to church with him and his family where we would meet Ian. And the prophetic words that he sung when he stepped down from the stepladder changed our destiny. I'm telling you, you don't need to be a pastor. You can be a tone-deaf carpenter who gets down off his stepladder and speaks the unashamed prophecy over someone's life. There is no doubt in my life that God ordained that man in our home all those years ago. What if he was too ashamed to hum? Where would I be today? Where would you be today without me as your pastor? Someone else will be pastoring you, but it would be a very different story if that man had been too shy, too ashamed, too afraid to hum in a woman's home, to sing a worship song to her broken soul. We have the prophetic ability. And so I've taken that with both hands. I sit across the table from people and I call out destiny. I call out destiny in people's lives and I won't listen to your negative confession. I'll speak the promise and the truth of God over your situation because my words create. The purpose of language is not communication. It is creation. Look at Genesis 1. God said, and there was. Our words create. And so I've seen potential drawn out of young people. I've seen lost come to salvation in parks and shopping centers that I've crossed paths with. I've seen broken find healing. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen single mothers find wholeness in victory. I've seen the breakthrough because I have a history with God in the miraculous of the prophetic miracle. And so today, I want to prophesy into your situation, personal breakthrough. There is more for you than what you're living right now. There is more for you than the reality that you find yourself in right now. You are destined for much greater things. You are destined to live a life full of the power and potential of heaven. The next one God stirred for me to share with you is financial miracles. You know, as I shared, we came from a broken home. and uh, But just immediately before things went south really quick, our family was preparing to step into a season we'd all dreamt of and, uh, and we were wanting to buy acreage in a place called Sanford, 
with beautiful rolling hills and dams and horses and all that sort of thing. I remember being 10 and 11 years old and driving from where we were living on the south side of Brisbane to Sanford and, and agents taking us to look at different acreages. And mum and dad would say, you know, this would be good here and that would be good there. And we came so close to buying this one piece of property that had a big slope and a dam. And, um, and dad was even describing what sort of house he would build with stilts, you know, the um, elevated home because of the slope of the property. And then what seemed like overnight to us, everything just fell apart. But previous to it falling apart, as we were walking in this journey, mum had opened a florist shop in Sanford Valley. She had enrolled us in a school in Fernie Grove. And we were driving from the south side of Brisbane to Sanford every morning in this great anticipation that we were moving life here. And all of a sudden, everything fell apart. And all of a sudden, it felt like the sunshine of that drive every morning turned into dark clouds. I felt like the Adams family with the cloud that just hovered over us everywhere that we went. It went from sunshine to gloom like that. We were still driving from the south side to Sanford every day, but now with grief, grief in our hearts. She eventually shut the florist shop, eventually pulled us out of that school, back to a school near where we were living, and the dream was gone. Fast forward many, many years, many, many years to about three or four years ago when God started to stir the dream in my mum again. Now, since then, both of my parents have remarried. Everyone in my family are born again believers and spirit-filled. I want to tell you, God can take a mess and fix it right up, right? They've both got new partners and they're both Christians, but God started to stir in my mum the dream again. And she started to look at properties in Sanford again with her new husband. And she found this property. And I remember the day that I walked onto that property. It wasn't the same block of land, but it had a slope with a dam and a house with stilts. And my children now live in the promise that I never got to live in. I said to her, because she was doubting, should we do it, shouldn't we? I'm like, mom, this is Canaan. This is Canaan. God's brought you back to Canaan, to your promise. Yes, you should do this. She went from having nothing, absolutely nothing, to being financially prosperous. I want to tell you, God redeems. He redeems. He does the impossible. Many years ago when Sam and I were just engaged, we were saving for our wedding. And like I said, our, fi- our families were in no position to contribute financially to our wedding or to our future. And that was okay. That was just the reality of our situation. Sam was working three jobs. I was working and studying and we were saving every penny, okay? There were no smashed avo sandwiches and coffee dates for us. I have heard it said that if you're saving or trying to get out of debt, the only time you should see the inside of a coffee shop is if you're working there. Don't tell me you have no money if you're spending it all on smashed avo sandwiches. Done with that. Um, And so we're saving every penny and we're believing And we were six months out from our wedding and we felt God challenge us to put all of our savings for our wedding onto the deposit of a home. And that was scary because it meant like, well, we would have no money for our wedding. And, um, but we just so, so felt this. And Sam started looking at properties because I was too heartbroken to even go there in my heart. This is too hard. Fine. You look, if you find something, let me know. 
And he showed me a few properties that I went and visited and I just knew, no, that's not it, that's not it. This one property we went to, as soon as I got out of the car and put my foot on the driveway, the Spirit of God said to me, this is yours. I didn't even have to go inside. It just, this is your place. And I did go inside and fell in love with it even more and just was convinced this is our place. So we started asking banks for mortgage loans and we got some great advice from someone who said, don't take no for an answer. Who knows that's what faith sounds like. Don't take no for an answer. If a bank manager tells you no, they're the wrong bank manager. Go somewhere else. Don't take no for an answer. Refuse the negative report. Hello, it's in the Bible. So we're like, okay, bank manager, bank manager, bank manager. And finally, we found one who said that he would do it for us. So we put in the contract, it all started going through, and then it was a Friday afternoon, settlement was Monday. We rang our bank manager and we said to him, are you ready for Monday? Are we all good? And he was like, I totally forgot about your loan. I haven't done anything with it. It's Friday afternoon before settlement has to happen on Monday. We're like, you're kidding. Uh, no, I'm not kidding. I'll open the bank on Saturday. Come in and see me tomorrow morning. We'll make this happen. So we come in and see him on Saturday morning. He tells us that he stayed back on Friday night calling in favours. He rang a friend who owed him, okay, who owed him and pushed through the mortgage. Banks don't do this. He pushed through the mortgage. He got it all okayed. And so he's sitting there with us in a dark, closed bank on a Saturday morning doing the calculations. And he goes, oh, there's something really wrong here. Clears the screen on the calculator, goes again. Still shaking his head. Calculates again. There's something really wrong here. Starts scratching his head and he goes, I owe you seven grand. So on Monday, not only did we settle, we had $7,000 in the bank. I believe in a limitless God, working in me and through me. I believe he couldn't care less about what the bank system is or what a bank manager says he can or can't do. I believe in a limitless God who works in me and through me today. There was a season where Sam and I were really questioning the call to ministry and what the toll it was starting to take on us, on our family, financially. And so we were wrestling. We're going, God, do you really still want us in this? Sam's qualified in other areas. I'm qualified in other areas. We could easily have walked away and stepped into something else. And that would have been fine. And so in the quiet place of our own bedroom, we were wrestling and we were praying for God's direction. We get a phone call from a couple, much older couple, who we didn't have a whole lot to do with. But they asked to have a meeting with us because they had a word for us. So we went out for coffee and they slid an envelope across the table that had $5,000 cash in it. And they said, God wanted us to give this to you and tell you these words. You are exactly where he wants you to be, doing exactly what he wants you to be doing. I believe in a limitless God working in me and through me right now. I can tell you countless stories of financial breakthrough in my life, countless miracles in my life. And so this has given me a precedent with God, a history with God. I've seen and I've prayed for miraculous provision in people's lives. I've prayed for breakthrough in our church finance here, and we're starting to see it. The church is expanding. I'm believing for much greater things. 
I've seen friends purchase homes as we've stood together against impossible odds. I've seen the cancellation of debt. I've stood with someone who had a $140,000 tax debt written off as we stood in prayer. I've seen it. And I want to prophesy today for someone here, you've told yourself you will never and you cannot buy a home. And I want to curse that lie and say this time next year, you will be in your own home. I want to speak to someone here. You have a crippling debt. God is going to speak to you over the next 12 months. And that debt is going to be reduced or canceled in the name of Jesus. I want to prophesy here, financial breakthrough. If that's you, just receive it this morning and believe in a God who is limitless. He doesn't care about the system, about what you can and can't do. He is limitless. It's what we believe. And the final thing I want to share with you are physical miracles. I want to show you a photo of my family, a recent photo of the six of us. And you'll see there from left to right, Layla is 11 years old. When she was born, she was born with a heart condition, healed miraculously through prayer. Jesse has never had any health conditions, praise the Lord. Judah, when he was 11 days old, had infant seizures, rushed to hospital in an ambulance, hooked up to all sorts of machines, all sorts of words spoken over him that I rebuked and rejected and refused to agree with, healed miraculously through prayer. Maya was given a terminal report in utero. Before she was born, I was told she would not survive. I was offered a termination at 20 weeks. I refused to agree with the negative report, healed miraculously through prayer. And to top it all off, they told me I would never have children. They, whoever they are, are not always right. They are not limitless. They are not a living, breathing God who conquered death, who conquered sickness. They are not your source. We believe in a limitless God who is working in us and through us today. And this builds up a history with God. I want to show you another photo of my son Judah at his water baptism. This is October 2018 because as I told you, I've become increasingly more dissatisfied with the powerless Christian life and increasingly more hungry to see the things of God. And so I'm praying these things by myself. God, stir it in me, stir it in the church, stir it in the people I'm around. Let none of my conversations be pointless conversations. Let me see your power in everything that I do. And so the night before Judah's water baptism, he is telling me, complaining again about this bite that he has on his arm. And he is so allergic to bites. Like he just blows up. It goes red and hot and swollen. And he's like, oh, I've got this. It's really hot. And I felt the Spirit of God say to me, so he's getting baptized tomorrow. How much faith do you have right now to coach your son through a miracle? Talk about putting it on the line, right? I hate it when he does that. So I swallow down hard and I say, Judah, I think we should pray for your arm. I think we should pray for your bite. I believe 
God can heal it right now. And he's like, okay. Like, so I start coaching him. This is how you pray for a physical miracle. You lay hands on it. You rebuke the negative. You rebuke what you don't want. You rebuke what you want gone. You curse it, bind it up. And then you release the will of God over it. So you define what you do want. Okay? So we're going to do that. So he starts praying, God, Lord, I pray that it would stop being red. I pray that it would stop being swollen. I pray that it would stop being hot. Lord, I pray that the skin would look normal. I pray that it would be cool. I pray that it would be normal skin color, that it would be flat. And I pray, Lord God, that the bite would go away in Jesus' name. So I jump up and turn the light on because I'm tucking him into bed. Turn the light on and he starts freaking out because he was watching the swelling go down before his eyes. He's watching a creative miracle take place before his very eyes. And so I said to him, Judah, this is awesome, but it was still red. And so guess what he does? God, I just pray that the redness is, and he's full of faith, you know, declaring that the redness is going to go out of it. And it didn't go out. I said, I believe that by tomorrow morning, when you get water baptized, you're going to be able to show everyone the miracle working power of God. And that's what he's doing in that photo. Eight years old. Eight years old. When I asked him, do you want to make a confession of faith this morning? He's like, yes. And I believe in God because, and now he has a history with God. Because God is working right now. I could tell you so many stories. Because of my experience, I have prayed for unborn babies in the womb and seen the doctor's report reversed. I have prayed for infertility and seen wombs open. I've prayed for men with heart conditions because of Layla's and seen their hearts miraculously healed. I've prayed for people with brain conditions because of the words that were spoken over Judah and I've seen them healed in the name of Jesus. I've seen healing and breakthrough in my everyday life because I believe in a limitless God who is working in us and through us right now. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Matthew 10, Jesus' words to us, He said, Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. That's our instruction. That's what you and I are meant to be doing in our everyday. I don't think we need more faith. I think we need more obedience. And I think as we step out in faith, this is the story of my life, as I refuse to do anything less than what the Word of God says, as I refuse to partner with anything contrary to the Word of God, as I step out in faith, He comes through. He comes through. We don't need more faith. We need more obedience. We need more obedience. And in John 14 verse 12, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this is the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father and the Spirit is coming to you. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. 
We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.